Hi, I'm Sarah Jenner. And I'm Mary Ann Baton, and you're listening to Conversations with Impact. Every month, we chat with a new expert speaker about different workplace challenges and how to overcome them. The purpose of these conversations is to share insights and solutions to challenging topics. And have a positive impact on our guests who attend. We also highlight a charity that's doing incredible work. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. How are you? <laughs> Hello. I'm so great. It's nice to see you, ladies. How are you doing? Good, good. There's lots of sunshine where you are today. Are you in BC today? I am back in sunny Calgary, actually. Ooh, so, nice. Yes, it is above zero. I think it's actually six degrees and sunny. And uh, I know my dog is excited to finally get out for a walk because I've been in the deep breeze in BC for a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you guys had a lot of snow recently. Um, so just before we get started with this uh, conversation, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for joining us for this Conversations with Impact event today. Today, our topic is where everybody knows your name. And yes, it was very much influenced by the Cheers theme song. How come we don't have beer? That's a great question. I don't know. I didn't think this through, but it would have been a great opportunity next time. Um, so like I said, our inspiration for this was Cheers. And it's really about thinking and um, cultivating how do we ha create these environments for our employees where they can walk into a business and it feels like home, not home in a way where we show up in our sweatpants and our hoodies every day, um, but that sense of comfort, that sense of being known, of being valued, of being appreciated. So that's what was really influencing us to, to cover this topic today. And our guest speaker for today is Mandy. And Mandy is a business optimist, I love that wording, a success coach and the founder and CEO of the ACE Collective. And I met Mandy through the ACE Collective, which is a collective of female leaders and entrepreneurs. And what Mandy and the ACE Collective does has really created this community where they support women's success, not just professionally, but also personally. And you have different opportunities like master classes, um, expert speakers. I know I was able to hop in once on like a financial expert speaker who joined and I learned so much. And you have other things like book clubs and just all these ways to connect individuals. And so I thought it would be great to have you join us today to really discuss like how do we create these communities within our organizations where people feel connected and they feel that sense of home and acceptance where they can truly show up as their most authentic self. So my first question, Mandy, is can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to this place where you were um, inspired to create this community? Mm, thank you for that introduction and for the opportunity to share. And, you know, when I really think back on community and why I'm a community builder, I think I've always very naturally been that person. And this takes me back to growing up, you know, I never let anyone eat lunch alone. and that's because I found myself eating lunch alone quite often. And that always really motivated me to say like, 
you know, everyone's invited to the table and um, that's led me to build communities over the last over the last decade and certainly, you know, something within ACE and bringing people together like I just it really enriches our experience in life when we have the opportunity to explore other people's experiences and where they're coming from and that's the richness of life right is connecting with others and so i've been committed to building the table and that table has taken different shape especially with the pandemic you know we've previously done live events and brunches and conferences and when 2020 hit you know the I think I was met with one of the biggest challenges of my life, which was how do I build community online? How do we build a safe space online? How do we build a place where people feel connected and supported in an, in the online world? And that's evolved and shifted so much. I know I'm sure that you, you know, the both of you have experienced those shifts as well. And more than ever, building uh building community and, and building a place where people do feel like they belong and that they are connected and have support is is so important so that'll continue to evolve you know something that you said mandy that really hit me is that the antidote to loneliness is reaching out to people who might be lonely totally and and that connection that if we did that we would never feel alone because there's always somebody who needs us there's always somebody who would love our company but mm -hmm. when we sit and just think about us and how we're all alone it can make it worse so you took it upon yourself to reach out and to help people i think that's a great story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mandy i wanted to ask you what are some of the strategies that business owners and leaders can leverage in order to create these, um, these, I guess, these work environments where not necessarily community, but a work environment where employees feel like they can show up as their most authentic, their truest, their highest self, all those key words that we um, tap into. How do business owners and leaders go about um, creating those environments? Yeah, I think it, I think that those environments ha have to be co-created to be successful. And I think a lot of employees, like they're just dying to be invited to the table and have that conversation um, where instead of, you know, knocking on a door, coming in and saying, this is how things work here. It's asking, hey, how can we set this up to make you successful here? What feels good for you? What are your, you know, getting to know people even as far as your learning style and what, you know, what hours they like to work or when they feel most creative, just getting to know people that way and co-creating an environment that works for the employer and works for the employee can be really, really powerful. And sometimes that's just aligning on, you know, what does success look like in this relationship and what does success look like in the business, right? Um, and when the employee, I find, is invested in that success and is like knowing that they're a part of rowing the boat with them, um, there's so much more empowerment and excitement to really, you know, show up and, and thrive and know that they play a role in it instead of just fitting into a box. Mm. I love what you said about uh, co-creating these environments, because I think sometimes I mean, we saw that push in like 2019, 2018 of all of these businesses um, completely redoing their offices to open concept, that feeling of like we're adding pinball table, pinball machines and like 
the bean bags, and that's how we're going to create this environment. And then other offices were like, oh, this is too much for us. Um, so I think some organizations really don't know where to start. And I love how you suggested, like, we are co-creating this together and you um, are really pushing for organizations and leaders to give those employees voice and choice in that process so that you aren't just, you know, purchasing that pinball machine and expecting that everyone's going to feel great and are going to walk in with smiles on their face every day. And you're shocked when, you know, the culture or the energy doesn't change within that work environment. Totally. And I think foundationally that's, that's rooted in the company's core values and knowing what our values are and our vision and our mission statement, right? Those are, those are set by the founder. Those are set by the organization, but, but around that, like the culture is, you know, it's very much derived from the founder's values, but it's played out every day and live the lived experiences, the people that are sitting in the seats and, you know, connecting with customers and showing up externally and all of that. Right. And so the pinball machine is, it might be fun, but it, that doesn't necessarily um, hit the motivation of everyone. Right. And, and I think just understanding like what drives us individually and what keeps us inspired and motivated to show up every day is such an individual thing. And, and, you know, something as simple as, as uh, as Im embedding the, these conversations into your weekly meetings and things like that, you know, um, one of the things that that I've I've found really successful is on Friday afternoons, everyone in the in the organization is able to share like how did our values come to life this week for you, and when people can actually see like oh you know as an example community is one of our values when someone can tell a story and share an experience of that value coming alive that week, you know you're living in it and you know that they are in tune with those values and are committed to, to those values as well. So when I have an employee say like, oh, community was alive this week because I saw all the engagement in our mighty networks. I saw people show up at events. I saw people sharing on social media and that made me, that inspired me because I had a role in, in in that coming to life, right? And so bringing our values alive and having the team recognize that their values are also showing up there can be much more powerful than the pinball machine. Yeah, yeah just a, another great point, Mandy, is that lots of organizations have their mission, values, and, and vision, but their words sitting there, you've turned those words into action and to accountability, and it's so much more valuable than a pretty, pretty poster on the wall. <laughs> yeah. And I think people, the expectations have shifted as well. You know, I think that 2020 and 2021 have instilled a lot more accountability in organizations and people, ex people are challenging values and vision and mission and things on the wall, right? We, we want to see organizations walking the walk and, and employees also want to be a part of organizations that are walking the walk. And so I think the accountability of those things and really testing and making sure that those values are coming alive is, is such an important piece. And perhaps your organization has changed. We've all been through so much change too. And maybe coming back to those values and testing like, hey, does this align with us now? Yes or no. And it's okay to be able to reshape them and come back to the drawing board or back to the whiteboard or, you know, invite your team 
that's currently in your team and say, what do you think about this? Like, how could this be better? How could this come more alive? Do you experience this in your role every day? It could also be a really powerful opportunity to refresh things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two things stuck out to me from what you had previously said, what that I think are important is when we're trying to create these environments for our teams to show up, um, as their authentic selves in that moment is you give your team the opportunity to check in with themselves and to also share with the group around them. So I know previously when I was talking with Michelle, who works with you at the ACE Collective, she had shared that when you start meetings or when she starts meetings, she actually has, does like a temperature check where everyone shares um, a word to express how they're feeling that day. And it's something so small but I think it allows people the space to really share how they're doing. Whereas so often we kind of just start a meeting. we like have our agenda that we want to get to. And we have no idea how everyone's feeling at the beginning of that meeting. And if we simply did that like quick check-in, someone's response in that meeting to something, whether it's like, really blissful and joyful or whether it's maybe like more critical and negative we have something to um to work off of that we know okay at the beginning of this meeting the word they expressed seemed kind of um down or like they are needing more support so now i understand why they may be responding in this tone and it's not their usual tone. So I'm going to make note to check in with them after this to see if there's something I can do to support them. So I love that idea of holding space for people to truly share how they're doing. Um, but I also loved that when you were talking about checking the engagement and seeing what it was like and who was showing up to events and you were measuring your success. So I think it's also important for organizations to how to ask themselves and their staff, you know, how do we know that we're creating this environment? What does success look like to us? So then they can go back and, you know, check those measurements to gauge how are we doing and what maybe do we need to consider incorporating more of? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 that also helps with communication throughout the organization too, when we have those measurements that we know when we're on track and off track. And I think such an important question to ask, and this can be departmental everywhere. It's like, what does winning look like? What does success look like, right? And and how will we know when we've arrived there? Because things can be really joyful and, and working, you know, really joyful and going really well. But if we don't have the benchmarks, we also don't have anything to celebrate or any opportunity for growth and, and shifting and changing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, building a culture that not only allows people to play in their strengths and build them, be themselves, it's also a culture of accountability, which is can be very motivating as well. It gives people metrics to work towards and to be the highest and the best version of themselves. So, so many organizations seem to think you're either critical mm-hmm. and giving negative feedback or you're not accountable and they don't understand how accountability can give us psychological safety because we're very clear about the expectations. We're very clear about what's needed. And we know that being held accountable doesn't mean being punished. It means let's examine what what got in the way. 
And uh, I, I really like your message that if we could get more people, more organizations to focus on accountability in a positive way, it helps everybody. Yeah. And this is something that I've, um, I avoided for years as a leader and a very powerful lesson is, you know, accountability, discipline, all these things, it, it can come with a negative connotation and we're avoiding accountability because maybe we don't want to make people feel bad. We don't want to put pressure, um, you know, for that might come with something negative, but accountability, what I've learned and is a path for leadership. It is a path for growth. It's an opportunity for teaching. It's an opportunity for learning. And like you said, that safety piece there is like, you know, very clearly what is expected of you, then you're able to, you're able to play towards that every day, right? There's benchmarks there. It helps with communication. It is, a, it can be a very, very powerful thing. And so I think it's really important that we, we change how we think about holding others accountable and being accountable as a team and into something really, really powerful and enriching. And I think that that's where really rich cultures can, can thrive because um, as a team, we can also hold each other to be the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's actually, you say, bring your authentic self in mm -hmm. and the best version of who you uniquely are is really what we want people to bring because authentically I could be cranky or Awful. I could be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but if I was bringing my true self my my true best self in mm -hmm. and trying to do the best I could then I think employers would be a little less afraid yeah. of what authenticity means mm -hmm. And I also love the idea of, as a leader, allowing my team to hold me accountable, too. It yeah. takes me back to what you said, um, Mandy, about being co-creators, that we're working together to create this accountability. So here's what I need from you, and here's what I need you to be accountable for. What do you need me as your leader to be accountable for so that you feel supported, so that you feel like while we are setting these measures of success for you to meet, you feel like you have everything you need in order to meet those. Yeah. And again, those are co-created agreements, mm -hmm. right? And it's reciprocal and it's both sides. And um, that's one of my favorite questions to ask my team is like, what do you need from me right now? What am I? It's so much I better than ask your freaking employees. <laughs> People are so stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know what it's like. For goodness sakes, talk to them. Stop trying to sit in your ivory tower and mm -hmm. figure it out. Yeah. Because they'll know better than you will what's going to support their success. But you mm -hmm. say it's so much more lovely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, go ahead and finish, Mandy. Um yeah, yeah, I, I think I was I think I was just gonna say something around the, the topic of, of avoidance and how mm -hmm. you know really putting people first in the organization helps build trust. And if someone does feel like, hey, I'm not sure what's accountable. Hey, I don't know what to do. Then there's that trust where they can simply ask. They can clarify. They can feel safe to have communication. If they're having a tough day, they can safely say, hey, you know what? Today, I'm, I need something different or I'm, you know, I need to renegotiate this or this is what I need. But all these little micro moments help contribute to trust. And similar to, you know, making deposits in a bank account. Well, imagine your culture 
is this bank account that we're creating and we're either withdrawing or we're depositing, withdrawing, depositing, withdrawing, depositing. Every time we're bringing the people into the conversation, we're making a deposit into the culture bank account, right? Every time we start a meeting with a vibe check and we make sure that people are good, we're making a deposit. But on the other side of that is like when we're avoiding conversations, when we are avoiding um, accountability, we're withdrawing from that. We're making people feel like they can't be their true selves. So mm -hmm. I think it's just so important that, um, and, and a lesson, you know, I've had to learn the hard way many, for many over the last decade, being a leader is the moment that you don't want to have the conversation is the moment you need to have the conversation. And that builds trust. And that's maybe the most important with uh, deposit that you can make in the bank account. Mm -hmm. And I think so often leaders avoid that conversation because they feel like, well, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to make them feel like they're not appreciated. And then, I mean, for me as an employee, in my experience is like, I know you're avoiding this conversation. And now it's just looming over me of like, when is that moment going to happen? And then yes. distracted. And I'm definitely not as productive as I could be if we were to just have that conversation when it needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's the elephant in the room, right? Mm -hmm. That we don't wanna we don't wanna address and it just gets bigger and bigger and more awkward. <laughs> 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 so what are some things that you have done or that I've worked with for you in the past to build this trust between you and your employees or within the community too? Some fun things I like to do is like really around this getting to know each other. And I love quizzes. So, you know, finding out people's strengths finders, their personality, mm -hmm. like personality types, Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. Colby assessments. Um, there's one that I love right now. It's a great assessment. It's called the saboteur assessment. It's by positive intelligence. And it's like, what's your self-sabotager? So highly recommend people look that up. You can just look up positiveintelligence.com and the saboteur assessment. Um, but understanding people's strengths and weaknesses and who they are and identity, I think also is such a it's such a normalizer and it's a really fun way to acknowledge where we're similar and where we're different mm -hmm. and I think when we can really hold space for how we're different that's where really positive culture can can be built and and, and can grow from because when we when we just you know you don't want to build a table where everyone looks like you and sounds like you and just validates your thoughts all the time that doesn't really contribute to thinking differently and um so i find just really getting to know people is is a really powerful tool and a really fun tool to people get engaged by it so we have a playbook uh where we keep track of all these things um whenever we're doing a quarterly quarterly planning session we're putting a new assessment in, into the into the community for them to take it and talk about it and understand each other. And then simple things like at our meetings, you know, like you said, Michelle had shared uh, what our culture looks like, but the vibe check, uh, the temperature check and the wins, they really bring emotion into the organization and we're taught to leave our emotions you know growing up like everything's a stage leave your emotions at the door check that at the door that doesn't the workplace like I worked in corporate for a long time and it's like the workplace is not for emotions 
go cry in the bathroom if you're feeling something, right? <laughs> and I I disagree with that so wholeheartedly because I think how we're feeling can really be embraced in the community and can be really embraced in the culture and creating a place for that um, is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And it can be just as simple as a temperature check. Mm -hmm. That there really are these like quick 10 minute activities you can do to start to build that sense of comfort. And I think as a leader, um, being vulnerable with how you're doing and not fearlessly, but courageously sharing, um, you know, the challenges or struggles you've experienced can go such a long way. Like I remember very early on with you when I started working with you and you would constantly share, these are all the ways I've messed up <laughs> in the workplace. And it really did just start to build this, this solid foundation that I felt a sense of trust that if I made a mistake, I was like, I can share, I can safely share this with Marianne. Yes. And I know she's not going to shame me or blame me, but instead she's going to acknowledge the error. And then she's going to work with me to find a way to either write it or to prevent it from happening in the future. And that was huge for me. Oh, it was that or the time out chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that you said that though. Cause like the modeling is just such a powerful way to show up, like just mm -hmm. show up authentically and leaders, you know, we don't have to have all the answers. And I think that that, that really plays such a powerful role when you don't, you know, let's go back to 2020 when the pandemic happened, none of us have been through this before. Right. And I remember my team looking at me like I'm supposed to have the answers. And I gathered everyone and said, I'm not sure what is going to happen here, but I'm going to be transparent and we're going to have a daily meeting and we're going to talk about it. And those kinds of things, I think just being vulnerable and showing up even without the answers also creates a space for people to, you know, show up authentically too. That's it. It's just the conversation, right? The open dialogue. Mandy, you said something about saboteur, which is <laughs> our own self-criticism, right? That yes. voice in our hand. And uh, this one group of women, they decided to name their internal saboteur. Yes. So that when they could say, oh, Sarah, is that Christine talking again? <laughs> you know, yes. you start to beat yourself up or whatever. They gave names oh. to uh, their own saboteur. And it really helped that group of women to support each other, but also to bring awareness to the number of times that um, some people will put themselves down. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, and that all came from that work with saboteur. I love it. My saboteur's name is Nancy. And I'm sorry if there's Christine's or Nancy here, but Nancy was my first. So I, my first car was a 1989 Celica and it was a total lemon. And every time I went to go start it when it was like cold or late or whatever, like it would never start. Mm -hmm. And I named that car Nancy. And so when I went through a similar exercise about my inner critic, I was like, I know exactly the name and it's Nancy because every time I'm about to do something awesome, he shows up and tries to sabotage it. And um, so I love, I think it's, there's a lot of power to give name to the inner critic when they show up so that you can take your power back, right? And just acknowledging and naming and noticing that inner critic may 
may not ever go away. You know, it's your ego. It's there to help keep you safe. But what's important is that we acknowledge that it's just there to keep us safe. And if we want to keep breaking through the barriers, keep getting to that next level of ourselves, we have to, you know, be more powerful than that inner Nancy, inner sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask, so we want to create these places where we can show up as our best self each day. Um, but what would you how would you respond if someone showing up and their best self never quite meets the um the culture or the energy exchange that was a really like woo-woo word visibility <laughs> um, and respect yeah exactly yeah. that they're just like very negative very critical not necessarily willing or wanting to collaborate with others. Like they just don't play well with others, essentially. How would you approach that kind of situation? Yeah, it's tough when we find ourselves in this situation because there's a lot of um, a lot of time and energy that goes into bringing people into your organization, you know, through the whole hiring and onboarding process. And whether this is someone new or someone that's been there a long time, you know, some of the indicators can um, can be if there's times of change within the organization, people are resistant to that or, you know, it just has um, for whatever reason. I think uh, experiencing toxic behavior in in the business has such a ripple effect. And so it's really important to address. And this is one of the elephant conversations, right? And generally everyone can feel it in the company. And so it's really important that we step out of, out of our own, um, out of our own, you know, maybe comfort level to lean into these conversations. And, and I, and I think that this is really understanding like what's what's really happening here. It's first of all, maybe in having a fierce conversation with the person, noticing the behavior, naming the behavior, behavior, acknowledging it, what's really going on here, you know, and there's an opportunity for curiosity, deeper understanding. It might have nothing to do with what's happening at work. And it might be a bigger, a bigger issue, whether that's with mental health, whether it's what's going on at home, whether it's what's going on in the external environment and that can be handled on its own. But, you know, if it's, if it's actually something that is just a resistance to the maybe values or um, culture in the business, this is where it's so important to have accountability documented, your values documented, the scorecard to measure people against, because when they're, when it's, when it's off the rails or off the, off the, um, uh, the, we'll just say off the rails, I can't come up with the exact word right now. Uh, it becomes a little bit easier to address of here's how things work here and here's how things are going. And there's a gap and we need to discuss it. And back to the co-creation, you know, if the employee is willing to create a plan for, uh, you know, for, for performance shifts or, you know, changes in behavior, you can come up with that plan together. Hey, over the next 30 days, 60 days, this is what we want to see. Um, or it's a plan that maybe it's not the right fit. And those are tough decisions to make. It's never fun to, to, uh, to know that you have someone in the organization that is not a fit and maybe needs to move on. And they're also known as kind of culture killers, right? And so the longer we take 
avoiding the conversation, not having it, the bigger impact it's having on all of the rest of the team and the rest of the culture and performance and all of that. And I know I've found myself in this situation before many years ago in avoiding the conversation. And it took months, honestly, to get to a place where we realized that um, they no longer had a fit within the team and had to find a different role for them. And I'll never forget after that occurred and holding a meeting with the rest of my team after and saying, this is what has happened. Like everyone said, I, I can't believe you waited so long, like, thank you. And there was this sense of relief and the entire energy of the team shifted, the entire energy of the culture shifted. One person can make such a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And so really addressing it, um, trying to remedy it, seeing what the big, what, what the issues really are coming back to values. Are we aligned? Are we not aligned? Are you in, are you out co-creating a plan together or, you know, opening a door? Um, so those are, those are, those are tough things that leaders need to face and can, can take a lot of energy and a lot of courage to lean into. The one thing that makes it easier for me is to think that if somebody's coming to work every day and they're negative mm -hmm. and they're difficult to get along with, it's not good for them mm -hmm. either. I mean, you know, people don't wake up and say, I would like to make other people's lives miserable today. Yes. It's, it's what they're feeling themselves. And sometimes helping them to move on um, is the kindest thing you can do for them, too. Because yep. they know that everybody in the workplace is annoyed with them and doesn't want to be bothered. So it Absolutely. feels really difficult. But when we come to it from a place of compassion, it's a lot easier than when we come to it from a, a place of fear or a place of uh, judgment. Yeah. I think um, that also ties into the idea, like you had said, that I mean, who really does want to wake up and just make everyone around them miserable each day? But recognizing that that employee has probably had that internal conversation with themselves about, is this where I want to be? And they either have just not been able to make the decision to leave because, I mean, there's so much uncertainty around, you know, what do I do next? Or... Um, they really just can't afford to quit because then there are other repercussions with that, that I believe like you may not be able to access other resources to support you while you're finding your next job. And so they may be sitting there hoping, uh, <laughs> will they fire me today? And so I think I've been just approaching that conversation and, um, and uh, I guess taking that, leap to acknowledge the situation like you said is so mm -hmm. important and it can be such a relief for not only the team but then that individual as well and you have a great resource on workplace strategies for mental health about psychologically safe terminations right yeah. susan jacobson wrote that yes who who was um a director of hr and really looking at when you have to fire somebody, the person who has to do the firing, the person who was their boss, their coworkers, mm -hmm. and how everybody can be negatively affected, but there's better ways to handle it. Yeah. But you've already described a lot of them, Mandy, is just really doing it from that place of we need to think about, is this the right fit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, liberation, it happens on either side. We forget that too, right? Mm -hmm. The other um, topic I wanted to discuss was, okay, we, we've just 
talked about like, what do we do if someone is really negative? We talked about the benefits of creating this environment where someone can show up as their best self um, and kind of moving away from that like fear-based work environment, the command and control. Um, But when the pendulum swings too far the other way, and now we've created this environment where we are expecting sunshine and rainbows and unicorns every day and you come into work and you're having not a great day but you feel unsure or not safe voicing that because you know that someone is either going to respond with a like um tomorrow is a new day or everything yeah everything happens for a reason and you're suffering inside and it's like how do we also combat that toxic positivity oh my gosh um I what's that show it's like the good place or whatever I I don't know I've never watched that tv show but that's where you just brought me to but yeah toxic positivity I mean that also really can exist and it's um social media is full of a lot of it as well right and I think it's really I'd love to hear both of your experiences and and if you've experienced that as well. I mean, I very much so try and keep it real. And Mm -hmm. that means my, you know, my bad days, I'm being really clear about that, but, but not, not like a rain cloud over me, but just a communicate clear communication of, Hey, you know what? I'm not my best today. And what I need from you is to step up and meet me. And or, hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm a having to cancel a meeting today because I'm actually not feeling great. And so leading with that kind of vulnerability mm-hmm. has been sort of the antidote to that actually existing in my organization. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely been a part of it. And it's kind of, I think, feeling that is like, are they serious? Is that like, is that real? And that doesn't feel authentic. And we can't thrive if we're in a place that feels inauthentic or like, Hmm, when is this going to fall apart? When is this going to break down? So I'd love to hear from both of you. Like what does, has, how has toxic positivity shown up in your culture or something you've experienced? I think for sure there was a time where I was one of those people and it wasn't necessarily because I inherently am a toxically positive person. I'm not at all. I'm sometimes like a doom and gloom kind of person but it was this sense of like this is what the culture is right now this is what um people are looking for and so it usually went so against um my natural flow of living um that I I just look back and I think ick I can't believe I it has has an ick factor you know yeah it is and it like it didn't allow me to show up as myself and just recognize the fact that I'm human and I'm going to experience so many different emotions and it's okay to show up in whatever emotion I I am experiencing as long as I'm not causing suffering or harm to others I think that's the thing that I really keep in mind is if I'm going to share what's happening with me, could it cause harm or suffering to others? And how is there a person I can turn to for support that I know has the, um, the capacity to support me in this moment? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think really it, for me, it started similar to you just modeling those behaviors. So 
if I'm reaching out for support to someone, asking them, do you have the capacity at this moment and making it okay for them to say no, um, but also just like sharing my shitty days and and also making it okay for people to call me out if I, or like to start the conversation if they notice something different in me, like you have definitely um, before, like we're sitting across the table from one another and she's like, hmm. I'm looking in your eyes and something's not right today. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> a little <laughs> Yeah, a little unnerving, but I'm open to the conversation. So that's what I've used is just trying to model those behaviors and making it safe for others to yeah. begin that conversation when maybe I can't. Yeah. yeah. And I, sorry, go ahead, please. I'd like yeah, to hear no, that. Just being from a different generation, mm -hmm. Mandy, we call this a good girl syndrome, that you were never to be a burden. You were never to ask for anything. You were always to be aware of other people's needs mm -hmm. and to serve those. And I was really good at it until I crashed and burned out. Yeah. And so I just refused to do it anymore. But like Sarah says, I would never want to unfairly dump on anybody or make my feelings their responsibility or to say you make me feel I, I'm self-aware enough to know my feelings are mine but um, while I would prefer that things were positive all the time I won't fake it anymore mm. you know I'll be honest about it and then I'll move on because it doesn't mean we have to have a therapy session I just want you to know where I'm coming from mm. so it's um I, I was guilty of toxic positivity and so if you wanted to tell me that you were not okay, I was going to, I'd be saying something like, oh, well, what do we need? Let's have, you know, let's help you to be happy. And it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And such a powerful question instead of like going in and jumping in and saving others as well. Mm -hmm. um, is that question of, you know, what do you need right now? What do you need to hear? What can I do to support you? Putting the power back in their hands. If someone's communicating like today isn't a great day, instead of being like, you know, take the day off, do this. Like you're negotiating for them of the things that are not being put on the table. And I think that's also putting the power back and the empowerment back in your, in your culture as well It's just, you know, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And I think also I found in personal relationships when others are struggling and they want to have a conversation like this where they're sharing, I always like to ask, Do is the motivation behind this that you want to vent or is the motivation that we come up with solutions? Because yeah. sometimes you just want to vent about, you know, like what's happening and you do not want the fixing, you do not want the solutions. But then other times you really are reaching out because you don't feel grounded and you don't feel like you're in a place to consider solutions and having someone else's perspective in that moment can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful in any relationship outside of the work. Like, you know, think about how many personal relationships we have where you've got a significant other and you're tell you're venting to them about the day and then they try and tell you all the things that you should do to fix it. And that doesn't feel very very good right so mm -hmm. you know relationships um it's it's just so important to be in tune with what role am I needed to play today 
Mm-hmm. And what role do you need? And, and that really helps contribute to building trust in the relationship, building safe space, building a, a culture of empowerment and making deposits into the the emotional bank account, the safety bank account there. Right. So mm-hmm. I have loved this conversation. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your insights and your experiences. It was really helpful. And I think you've given listeners so many tangible takeaways that they can start incorporating that don't necessarily feel like we need to overhaul all of our policies right now. It's like these small things that they can do in order to build that trust and build that environment where people like Marianne said can show up as the best what did you say? The best version of my authentic self today. Okay. Yes. My best version today is not my best version tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Very different. So thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a wonderful conversation and appreciated the opportunity to be here. So thank you. Oh, thank Thanks, you. Mandy. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. We loved having you here. Um, thank you for being present. 